0: Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Football Outsiders live stream for Wednesday, March 9th, 2022. Hello, and thank you for watching. Whether you are on Twitch or YouTube, Facebook or Twitter, don't forget to make comments and ask questions in our discussion. Hello also to those of you who are watching or, I say, listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders podcast network Uh, My guests today are Mike Tanier, as always, on Wednesdays, and although this is actually the last Wednesday for a while, so not as always on Wednesdays, and Dan Pizzuta from Sharp Football Stats, who you may know also writes a little bit for the Football Outsiders Almanac. And the division that Dan is covering in the book is the AFC South. And this is the AFC South free agency preview, but we would be remiss if we did not talk about the big news of the week, which we're hitting AFC West in tomorrow's show, but we got to start with AFC West because we've got to talk about the shocking trade, the Russell Wilson trade, which went down, which Mike was actually on the draft live stream with Derek Klassen when somebody messaged in the discussion thread that Russell Westbrook had been traded to the Broncos. And, of course, Mike was like, ha-ha, that's very funny. You know, (laughs) because the Lakers are a mess. Uh, But uh, they actually meant Russell Wilson had been traded to the Broncos, and the trade was real and was actually happening. And Russell Wilson really has been traded to the Broncos for a gigantic package with two firsts and two seconds and three players. And he goes from the hardest division in the NFL to what might now be the hardest division in the NFL. (laughs) (laughs) But the reports are that this is what he wanted, that they were discussing trades with other teams, in particular the Washington commanders and Russell Wilson wanted to go to Denver. He
1: he wanted to not go to the Washington commanders. He wanted to go to Denver. You're right.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the funny thing is Washington, yeah, Dan Snyder still owns the team, but, I mean, they do have Terry McLaurin to throw to, and they do have that great front four, and they do have an easier path to the Super Bowl than the Denver Broncos do, but uh, Denver is where he's going. So, uh, Dan, I'll start with you, and what was your thought upon first hearing about this trade, and and what's your take on it? Did, did Denver get the best out of this, or did Seattle get the best out of this, and where are the Seahawks going? Yeah, I think I'm a little... The iffy on the both sides. I I think.
2: Uh, I mean, it definitely came as a shock when it, it came in because you know we were all at the combine. It was I at the Snyder and P. Carroll press conferences when they both said they uh, had no interest in trading Russell Wilson. So yeah. then you can kind of show how much you can actually take from from some of those uh, when you know they're whether they're actually telling you the truth or not. Um, but you look at what Denver. I mean, Denver has been looking for a quarterback for a while um you know they skipped one in the draft last year had to end up with teddy bridgewater and go to a quarterback again but i think you look at what denver has like they could play really well and still be the third best team in their division so that's a little tough and then with seattle it's kind of hard to see exactly what they're doing right now especially after releasing bobby wagner which does make sense but like they they got a lot back for wilson but it's not like a lot that you're Really kicking off a rebuild because they already had those lost picks for Jamal Adams. So it's not like they have multiple, you know, first round picks this year to really kickstart a rebuild. You know, they got to wait till you know 2023 for that. So that's it, it's uh, like it puts both teams. Like I think it's a move that probably you know makes sense to be made, but I'm not sure it like makes either one of them like really better in the long term.
1: Yeah, I, I mildly like it for the Broncos. But I love it compared to their alternatives right all of their alternatives stank so I, I'm just going to switch over I've got the I've got the Super Bowl odds uh hot and right, hot off the presses for next year and i I' just you know what I'm going to switch it over I'm gonna do the conference odds the AFC odds uh because this might illustrate it better AFC odds bills at three thirty plus three thirty Chiefs at plus four hundred Broncos at plus six fifty Bengals at plus one thousand now. I have a feeling that they're going to dip, like the the, the helium's going to come out of this and the Broncos yeah. a little bit, okay? But the Broncos were not going to be in the galaxy of having like a realistic chance. So if they go back down to plus 1,000, they were plus whatever, 10,000 entering this trade. So it's a matter of to even have a chance at getting to the Super Bowl during this group of players' peak, You know, during the peaks of Sutton and, and Chubb and guys like that. They had to make a move like this, and it's the move they made.
0: I do think there is this sort of misunderstanding about the Denver Broncos defense because they finished third in points allowed. There's this belief that they have a top defense and they don't. It was kind of a mirage caused by the fact that their offense played really slowly yeah. So their defense faced fewer drives than any other defense and mm-hmm. had the second best average starting field position because of the way the offense played. So the offense in Denver was better than people thought it was, and the defense was actually kind of mediocre. Now, it could take a step forward with Sertain having more experience, Bradley mm-hmm. Chubb play the whole year, and the inside linebackers get healthy. And uh, But also, there's no Vic Fangio to run the defense anymore. So, I think the belief, there's a belief out there uh, among Denver fans that, well, I mean, we have these receivers and we have this great defense and now we add Russell Wilson. And you don't. You have the receivers and you have an okay defense and now you do add Russell Wilson. And those injured linebackers
1: are free agents. Oh, are they both free agents? We'll get yeah, to that. Tomorrow. And, uh, several of them are free agents. Harris has gone a chunk of the secondary behind Roby and Darby. Are also free agents. Now they still have money left. This is not a bad money deal right now for the Broncos. Mm -hmm. They'll be able to bring some of these guys back. But you're right. The idea that I think the Broncos fans still think it's 2017 and those guys are still out there. And no, it's, I would say it's an average to below average defense. Like you said, you talked about the distortions and they have a lot of work to do just to keep it intact and no draft picks to make it better.
0: I do think I'm on team Wilson is still really good because if you look at DVOA, past DVOA last year, he was at 32% in the first five weeks of the season. Then he got injured. When he came back from the injury in the first six weeks, it was minus 16%. But in the last three weeks, it was plus 24%. And normally I'm the guy who goes, well, you know, anybody can have three good games at the end of the season, but that does sort of fit the narrative that he came back from the finger injury too early. And once he finally got healthy, he was back to being Russell Wilson. Yeah. And a lot of that came from the deep ball kind of came
2: back too. I think over those last about five weeks, I think like, I uh, wrote yesterday about 24% of his passes were going 20 or more air yards. Uh, so that was back to kind of, you know, peak Russell Wilson of what you see. And I think that, you know, can fit really well with Cortland Sutton, can fit really well with Tim Patrick. Um, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, just on football Twitter, real excited about Jerry Judy. I think that might be the, the most questionable fit of just how, you know, Russell Wilson
0: has never been, a, you know, intermediate. Very excited uh, about Jerry Judy right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are, but I think of the, th- the three main receivers that Denver has, he might, fit the worst but i I guess that's that's relative but uh yeah i think wilson is still going to be a good quarterback definitely gives denver more than what they had and kind of like mike said just kind of getting into the playoffs i think we've kind of seen especially in this expanded wild card uh just getting into the playoffs is going to be good so even if they don't win the division which might be tough you know getting one of those last playoff spots like you can go far by doing that and, and then getting hot in the playoffs so uh, I think that definitely brings Denver closer to what they, to that than they were before this trade.
0: CEO, the legend asks, do the 2022 Broncos look like a poor man's version of the 2019 pre Brady Buccaneers?
1: I don't know that that team had more on the defensive line in place. I think, I mean, I, I yeah, see they it. had
0: but, they had both Shaq Barrett and Pierre Paul. They yeah. had Vita Vea in the middle of the defense. They definitely had more in the defensive front. They had Levante David and Devin White already. Like that defense, that Bucks defense before Brady got there was better than this Broncos defense. Yeah.
1: If you want to tell me they're this year's Bengals, but with a better offensive line, and just some scattered guys on defense who can keep you together and you can air it out, if that's if that's like the window to say, well, this is how they propel to the Super Bowl, that's probably you know th- that's probably a pretty good template. I-, I don't necessarily see the Buccaneers though.
0: I think the other surprise here is the Seahawks going into what really does look like a total rebuild Mm -hmm. with Pete Carroll at age 70.
1: Right. Right. And no indication that he's excited about doing that, that he seemed to go into this thinking they were going to try to run it back another year. Nothing about what they've done in the last couple of years have suggested they're moving forward. Like everything has been, let's try to repurpose what we were doing eight years ago. So that it is surprising that suddenly now there's a paradigm shift. Yeah,
2: and especially when you look at what they kind of have on the roster, there's not a lot of, you know, building by. Like, it was Wilson who was kind of, like, rising all tides on there. You have right. DK Metcalf, and you, I, I, you have DK Metcalf. <laughs> right, they're talking uh, think-
0: about Lockett's a little older, and they're tra- yeah. talking about trading Lockett. And, yeah, there's not a lot of, like, good young players. They've been trading away draft picks. And, I mean, Jordan Brooks, a linebacker, you know.
1: Uh-huh. he's he's like an edge rusher that they keep trying to put in coverage as is Adams (laughs) edge rusher trying to put in coverage would have been a great place for Mike McDaniel to come in like as a fresh young coach and take this thing and go in a new direction. But that's not what they did.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's switch over and talk about that AFC South. Speaking of uh, divisions where uh, none of the great quarterbacks of the AFC play. (laughs) Uh, I mean, Trevor Lawrence obviously still has tons of, Tons of potential, but we'll get to him in a moment. We're going to start at the top of the division with the Tennessee Titans. Now, the Tennessee Titans, according to Over the Cap, are $10 million over the cap, but they can get to $56 million under with simple restructures. So but they're not really that far over.
1: Unless they changed it in the last hour, Harold Landry's new contract is in there. So they're probably a little more over the cap. Oh, all right. That. Right, because they're, they're, he was a straight free agent, so whatever his compensation is, and it's probably at least ten million dollars in signing bonus, that's there. But they can still get well under the cap with restructurings. I, but I don't think it's up to the minute there at, uh, at over the cap. Get with it, Jason. We need the update now. Yeah. First, first of all,
0: they could cut. Like I mean, these are good players, but Roger Saffold would get them ten mil. Yeah, uh, Janoris, Jack, Robert, Jenkins would get them seven. Julio Jones would get them 9.5 as a post June 1st cut. Good.
2: Zach Cunningham, I think, would get another 10 million, who they claimed last year, but also their other two linebackers are, are free agents. So,
0: yeah, right. And then we have can... our little graphic, I think, of the top Titans free agents.
1: And they can do some restructures that are solid, like not goofy. Um, oh my God, Bud Dupree. Okay. Better example. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean,
0: sorry. It should it actually should say tackle David Questenberry. That replaced it. Used to say Harold Landry when we first put the graphic together, and then they signed Harold Landry. You you can see from this graphic of free agents that the Titans do not actually have a ton of big free agents, like a couple of offensive linemen and a couple of linebackers who had basically lost their jobs by the end of the year. Right. And then all their tight ends. All of them. But. But Questenberry's not a great offensive lineman. And, you know, the big free agent was Landry, and he's been resigned.
1: (laughs) And CCX3 says, cut Henry and save six mil. We know that's not going to happen. And for this particular team, probably isn't the best plan. But you're right when you say all their tight ends, because it's not just Swaim. It's Forkser, and it's Michael Pruitt. Pruitt. So they're like the Cardinals where they have nothing at tight end. Strong tight end draft class, but that – eats up one of their resources moving forward
2: um yeah and then you look at what they have at, at at linebacker where even if you know evans or brown weren't playing as much as they did at the end of the season you still have to have someone come in right. uh, And the same thing with with the offensive line when you have ben jones quezenberry is is a free agent uh when you said you can you know cut saffold potentially Luan also those are you know but Uh, popular guys that they say could you know save a lot of money but if you do that and the offensive line didn't play particularly well but if you're releasing all those guys then you still have to bring in guys to play offensive line so that's kind of where the titans are right now
0: they do have dylan Raddens, yep who was last year's second round pick ready to step in at probably not center (laughs) right tackle or if they cut saffold left guard he could probably step in at either of those positions um, s- a lot of the mocks says Mike Kurtz have the Titans taking a wide receiver to replace Julio. Well, honestly, even if they keep Julio, first of all, they need a wide receiver to replace Julio Jones long-term, mm-hmm. but even if they keep Julio Jones, it's not like they're really great at third receiver. Like they're going right. to run back Nick Westbrook-Akinney again. Like mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Run it back with Nick Westbrook-Akinney. Uh, yeah. And I think, I mean, we sometimes you mock, something that's going to buzz a little bit. I know that the, uh, the Titans media was on the prowl of the receivers uh, in the, at the combine, but that looks like something they're going to address in the second round, third round, fourth round, because there's going to be value out there and reinforcements in the offensive line are probably a more likely thing in the first round or McBride at tight end. So you can punch, you can fill a need right there. I guess my question with all this, we know this team, we saw them go out there, reach the playoffs, beat all the bad teams in their division. And lay an egg against the the Bengals when the Bengals weren't playing well. What's the avenue for this team to get better? What is the avenue for the Tennessee Titans to get better?
2: Yeah, they're, it's kind of like they, that's how they structured themselves too. They like structured themselves in this like very shaky ground where you have to hope Derrick Henry can. Take a billion carries. You have to hope that uh, Julio Jones can stay healthy for more than seven games in a season. Yeah, um, I think just one of the things you can maybe you know look in the secondary, and I think uh, John Robinson talked about this a little bit, where they've taken some swings on guys that were injured, uh, and that's like a, a Caleb Farley who you would yeah. hope is a good corner but wasn't able to get on the field his his rookie year. So then you also have guys like that where you're not sure if you want to replace them or not. Do you take another swing at corner and try to bring someone in when you do already have that in Farley but you're not sure what he's going to be? So the, the Titans are just in this like place where they really have to balance uh, a, a lot of things and it is hard to you know kind of figure out exactly where they get
0: like significantly better. There's a lot of hope here that I think that having Henry back juices the play action game and having who and Julio can somehow stay healthy for the whole season and that lifts Tannehill's performance back up to what we saw from Tannehill like two years ago. Mm -hmm. And suddenly they're a top offense again. Mm -hmm. And the defense is kind of average and but you put that together and you have a really good team. It's just it's it's you're you're depending on a lot of ifs. You're really depending on a lot of ifs to think of the Titans as more than just an average team. I mean, I do think that their real quality last year was closer to what DVOA had them at. Yes, of course, there were those couple of games where all the receivers were injured. Right. But I think they're a lot closer to the twelfth best team in the NFL than they are to you know a number one seat, What we normally would think of as a number one seed.
1: Right. I wouldn't be impressed by this team at all if they were in the AFC West.
0: Co the legend says, I don't mean to hijack the discussion agenda, but if you were the Colts or Titans, would you want to take a look at Jordan Love? Well, about Jordan. We talk about the Colts. We can talk about the Colts in a second. If you were the Titans, would you take a look at Jordan Love?
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh,
2: I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think you you at least ride out this year with, with Tannehill because you don't have any way of getting out of that contract. Um, so I wouldn't try to give up anything to also saddle yourself with Jordan Love, who eventually is going to need a, you know, a new contract by next year also. So I, I don't think the timeline works a, a lot with Tennessee.
1: There's no buzz around Jordan Love.
0: No. Jordan combine, Love talking to people at the combine about what did you think of Jordan Love two years ago? It was a lot of meh, right. kind, of overdraft, kind of overdrafted. So, I mean, yeah. obviously, you don't want to hold against him that he hasn't been able to get on the field ahead of Aaron Rodgers, but people weren't that high on him when he was drafted to begin with. So, the to imagine that he could be better than Tannehill is a real stretch.
1: Right. right. And this isn't a world where we're hearing about Mitchell Trubisky like he's Joe Montana. Right. And Jordan Love is like get has zero buzz. So,
0: All right, let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they have a lot of cap space, $40 million in effective cap space. And with simple restructures, according to Over the Cap, they could get to $93 million, which is the highest in the NFL. Uh, a lot of their – Free agents are like backup players. There are some big ones. Eric Fisher talks have broken down with Eric Fisher, so they're going to need a new left tackle. Xavier Rhodes, at cornerback, but it's a lot of backups, like Matt Matt Pryor and George Odom, who was a Pro Bowl special teamer. Yes. um, I mean, Mark Lewinsky is a starter at guard, but that's like a veteran who's been around for a while. Obviously, the big question mark here is, like, are they cutting Carson Wentz? We don't think that they can probably find a trade partner for Carson Wentz. So they're probably cutting Carson Wentz. Yeah, so who, who the heck is the quarterback next year?
1: Cutting Carson Wentz will put $15 million cap hit, but also save them several million more dollars, which is fine, except that your only quarterbacks at that point are um, uh, Ellinger and Jacob Eason. Who is their other quarterback? Um, no, right now on their roster,
0: it's Ellinger and James Morgan, the guy who used to be uh, in the Jets, with the Jets.
1: Right, right. So Eason
0: so, is, I believe, with Seattle now.
1: You are correct. Yes. He is over there with Drew Locke in that quarterback room of shame. So a lot of money and not a lot of places to spend it uh, and not a lot of people to spend it on. They, they will need a left tackle. Um, Eric Fisher's backup, Julian Davenport, who was miserably bad, is also a free agent. I'm sure he will not be retained. So it's great to have a lot of cap space, but when you have a lot of cap space and you have these needs that are very hard to fill, they don't necessarily tie together well.
2: Yeah, and you get, like, there are places where they can definitely upgrade too i mean uh, xavier rhodes is going to be a free agent so i think you you need that corner there i yeah. uh, look at the wide receiver that's i think a kind of a glaring hole right now if you're looking at it ty hilton is a, a free agent but i think he said he would you know like to be back and then you have michael pittman uh, and Paris Campbell, I've never been super high on Paris Campbell. So I think you would right. probably like someone to be, a you know, better wide receiver three. Um, and I think they probably need to look at some tight ends too, uh, with Jack Doyle,
1: uh, Retiring. uh retired yeah. now
2: Mo Ali Cox is a, is a free agent. So they, they do have some places where they, it could go. Um, and it's just kind of restructuring and, and figuring out what they want that offense to look like now, because it's kind of, you know, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor and that, and that's
1: about it. Right. What direction do you go in on this? Is this the rebuild with all of this money? Or is this the try and bring Garoppolo in and do the same darn thing? Try and run it back with Wentz and try to patch up the, the what we saw last week? with. I don't
0: think they're running it back with Wentz after the I- way they talked about him last week. I would think <laughs> Garoppolo as a trade target makes a lot more sense. You know, I brought up the weird question. When we were in Indy, I was talking to Stephen Holder, who covers them for The Athletic. Yeah, Could you imagine Jameis Winston in Indianapolis? Because he is the best free agent quarterback, but he just doesn't seem like Frank Reich, like a Frank Reich kind of guy. Like, it would seem like it would make more sense to have Bridgewater or Mariota than to have Jameis Winston trying to, like, throw it deep all the time.
1: <laughs> and yet I could kind of see it, because I think he's a better quarterback than those guys. Yeah. Uh, he comes in with his personality, and it's a breath of fresh air in the quarterback room and in the locker room. So I could see that they can afford to give him a contract. He appears to be healthy or healthy enough that he would be able to start minicamp. I just I – I don't know. It's, we, we had this problem in Philly. You don't know how to proceed from here after that Carson Wentz year. You don't say, what is our next step? And, and, and it's, it's just not necessarily clear.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was a clearer for the Eagles. They had Jalen Hurts. We, Sam Ayling, yes, yes. Sam Erlinger is not Jalen Hurts, but no, there but, is a realistic well, yeah. chance that he is going to be the starter in week one. I mean, well, yeah, we got
1: rid of Doug Peterson. We let Doug, you know, the coach leaves, you know, it's like that. That's the kind of like sort of chaos you're dealing with. Uh, on the end of it, you're right. I mean, there was a quarterback of the future in place, but there was no sense of what the direction of the entire franchise was going to be. It looked like it was a rebuilding year, and then the Eagles. You know, win nine games. it was very strange.
2: I don't know how willing they'd be to give up draft capital for another quarterback and I don't think you you know it said Garoppolo, but if you're looking at maybe a tier below, um yeah, I think Tyler Huntley could be a fun fit here if the Ravens are willing to. Them up but you have a strong running game you build that offensive line i think you could have maybe a little bit more of the, the quarterback run game um and i think that's a potentially you know cheaper option if, if they want to go that way i think that could be a potentially you know fun fit if they wanted to go that way
0: that's an interesting idea and maybe pair
1: him with a second or third round pick and let them compete for the job and hand um, off to taylor a million times by the way quentin nelson is in the final year of his contract they've got a, million, they should make him the highest paid guard in the history of the universe while they've got this money and just take care of that problem so that they know that they can run Taylor behind Nelson and get something started. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, let's move on to the Houston Texans who um, did not finish in last place because this division is terrible. And the Houston Texans have a ton of free agents because they signed a bunch of veterans to one year deals last year. And those guys are all free agents now, but none of them are very exciting players. Um, the Texans are $5 million of effective cap space, but can be 49 million with simple restructures. They could cut guys like Marcus Cannon and Kevin Pierre Lewis. And I mean, you know, th- these, are, these are not the most exciting free agents the guys who are free agents and I, I didn't put, uh, you know, Malik Collins, I didn't put on this list and Chris Conley and Danny Amendola. And there's just a lot of guys who are free agents, but are like, just guys,
1: just guys, just guys who are on the uh, Patriots three years ago. Guys. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I just pulled up their arrow lads and it's all, it's like a, a red and blue speckle map.
0: Yes, there are tons oh, of free agents for Houston. I mean, the biggest question obviously is, look, what's the Deshaun Watson situation? But I just cannot picture Deshaun Watson playing for this team next year or ever again. Is some team willing to give the Texans a bunch of draft capital and take the chance that he can play next
1: year? And yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just
2: it's it's not a, a fun topic to talk about, but I think we'll we'll get I think some clarity on Friday where there's a, a Supreme Court uh, hearing. So, you know what I guess uh, we'll be able to maybe see what that is going to be after you know there is some type of actual you know court hearing uh, that we'll hear. But I think when you look at also the the rest of this roster, you know the their big guys are also probably their biggest you know trade chips. Also behind that is Laramie Tunsil gonna get traded? Um, yes. is Brennan Cooks gonna get traded for the twelfth straight offseason? Um, you know, those are <laughs> those are two pieces they could do uh also to kind of get some draft capital and, and maybe, you know, actually get some better players that instead of just, you know, veteran one year contracts, which they built this entire roster out of last year. You,
0: you you can't even do a what are the biggest holes on the Texans because it's literally the entire roster right. is holes except kicker. I mean, you know, I'm assuming they go into next year with Davis Mills as the starter, but they could do better than that. And, you know, Cooks and Tunsil aren't holes, but if you trade them, they are. Mm -hmm. So, like, Houston just needs
1: everything. Right. They need direction. They need to stop just sort of throwing a roster out there, which is what they've been doing since really the end of the Bill O'Brien run and all through this Easter Bree, whatever this is, run they're in now. And they're just an impossible team to prognosticate because you can't operate under the logic like, well, this is what a rebuilding team does or this is what a team does in these situations because the Texans just do what they do.
0: I mean, I'm guessing they're going to end up with a couple of young players from the draft and they'll end up with a, some more veteran free agents and they'll go like five and 12. I mean, you know, it's... They're not going to be the worst team in the league because the veteran free agents that they sign are going to keep them slightly above water, but they're going to be bad.
1: And I'll say this, you know, the grand jury thing, which is coming on Friday, everything I've heard about it, how these things go. I don't know if we'll get clarity in terms of what his future legal situation is, but it's not going to look good for Deshaun Watson from everything I've heard. It's very public. It's very open. Everything gets put out there. You know, they can ask like sort of public questions about the situation, some very, you know, very precise questions about what he's involved with. I don't think you come into that entering free agency with teams being like, well, now that I heard all that dirty laundry, I'm ready to make a deal for him. And and that's, you know, the right or wrong of the situation. That's on the Texans where they didn't make a deal going into this, and this could likely sabotage his future trade value.
2: Yeah. And that kind of just hangs over the, the entire thing. I think if, you know, they're, you know, all all things happen and they do get a lot of draft capital for that, then you can, you know, start this rebuild. But like you said, there's also, there's no direction in what this team is looking like. So even, you know, those good young players, like they do have, like you're talking to Justin Reed right now, what is, what is your pitch to bring him back? Uh, I don't understand why he would even, you know, entertain that. Right. Um, and that's like the one good homegrown player you have right now who's hitting free agency. Right. Um, and you really have nothing to sell on him to to bring him back and keep him. So that's just, it's, and I, I feel like, you know, they're not going to be able to fill the roster in a way that, you know, really gets some of those players in this year. So it's going to be a lot of veteran, you know, free agents again. And even like when they hit like a, a Tavier Thomas, who, you know, uh, it came in this year and played a pretty good nickel corner. But like, what does that even give you at that point either? You're not even really it getting to a, see the success there. It gives
0: you the not worst record in the league. It gives right, you a right. six and 11, five and 12 record because the defense is all right because Lovey Smith can coordinate defense and they've got some veterans. So, you know, you, you end up picking eighth in the draft or something. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> all right. Mike has to take off. Before we get to our last team. Yes. I get to escape the Jaguars, folks. See you tomorrow. Same time, same channel on the live stream.
0: And we can talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and bring up their list of top free agents, which is also not very long list. It's DJ Chark and a couple of guards because Cam Robinson came off the list. So, like, I, I mean, I, to get to a fifth guy, I had to list to replace Cam Robinson with Trey Herndon, who barely played last year, but just because he was a starter for the two years before that. So I was like, all right, maybe that's one of their top five free agents. They, they really don't have a lot of big free agents. They've got plenty of cap space. Uh, they also have Brandon Linder as a possible cut candidate because he's only played, 17 games, 18 games the last two seasons and they can get $10 million if they cut him with no dead money. It's not like he's not a good player. He is a good player, but you know, if they wanted more money, I don't know what they're going to spend that on. Right. Um I mean the pro- look, the promise of Jacksonville is is you, you go out there and say to free agents like forget last year, last year didn't happen. Trevor Lawrence is still super promising. Come play with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, and that's
2: that's really all, all they have right now. And I mean, I think they probably as we've seen, are a team always willing to spend money. So they will be throwing money at free agents because they they do have it historically. That's, you know, what they've done. Um but yeah, I think that's kind of what they have to offer it we have trevor lawrence um you know we no longer have urban meyer uh, i think that's as big of a selling point as having trevor lawrence is no longer having urban meyer uh, i think you know when you look at doug peterson i think that that probably helps um and i think they're, they're probably going to you know overspend to bring in some pieces because I, I think you know with chark um as a free agent they do need some wide receivers like Quan Treadwell was like their best wide receiver, uh, like getting the most targets at some points last year, and like it, it kind of deserved. Like he actually was the best wide they receiver starting, on the team, which kind of shows. on Austin
0: by the end of the year as their slot receiver. That's just frightening.
2: Yeah, and uh, I mean, Jamal Agnew at points was like their their top wide receiver. So I and you know, you see, there's not a lot. Um, at the top of, of the wide receiver market, and it's a better draft class for that because just good wide receivers don't really get there. And the best guy kind of on the market right now would be Allen Robinson, who probably is not returning to Jacksonville. Um, but I think they'll probably try to throw some money there. And, and even though you know the offensive line doesn't, uh, they're not the greatest guys who are leaving, again, you still have to fill those positions.
0: And then that's right. kind of
2: where they're at too.
0: There's uh, Walker Little, Yep. who was a second round pick last year that they have to figure out what to do with. There always was this feeling like, cause of injury, he'd need a red shirt year, but he's not, you know, I, I suppose they can slide him in at guard. He's thought of as a tackle. And then there's Ben Bartsch who they took a couple years ago. They could slide him in as guard. So they've got a couple of guards if these guards leave, but they could also try to re-sign one of them or sign someone in free agency. You're absolutely right that what they really need is receivers. They also need defensive backs. They're not really good in the defensive backfield. They could absolutely use some guys, Shaquille Griffin and Rudy Ford, you know, Yeah, they've they've taken uh, the problem with the defensive backs is that's really where
2: they've taken a lot of swings too. They brought in yep. Shaquille Griffin to have uh on that big contract, and he was you know, fine. Um, you know, they took that big swing on uh CJ Henderson, who was just a really athletic corner but didn't really play well in college. Uh and then he got traded last year. They kind of did the same thing um with uh Tyson Campbell uh last year, who well, you know, played a little better, uh, but still a, a little raw there. So like they have taken a lot of swings at that corner position and it just hasn't really worked out uh very well so they're just kind of in a in a place where they need to probably take a couple swings there again there are some you know interesting uh corners on the free agent market but also you know is that a place where they want to after the griffin contract is that a place where they're going to go out and, and want to do that again
0: yeah, it really is, like we said before, to get guys in Jacksonville, they're going to have to overpay them because the feeling around the team is just – like even with Trevor Lawrence there, the feeling is kind of negative. But perhaps having Trevor Lawrence there attracts wide receivers. I don't think it would attract defensive players. Right. Right.
2: Yeah, and well, say, and especially everything else, you know, going around with the team. You have uh, the fan revolt against the owners and Trent Balky and there's it just feels like it's a lot of messy things. So I feel like if, if you're a free agent, unless they're offering a whole lot of money, it's the Jacksonville probably has to prove it to you a little bit before you're you're willing to play there.
0: The AFC South is just messy in general. I mean, we talk now about how good the AFC West is, especially now that Russell Wilson is there, and the North has the Bengals and the Ravens are going to rebound and the Browns still have some talent and the East has got some talented teams. Although, you know, we're waiting for Robert Sala to finally kick the jets into gear. And then the AFC South is just looks like a mess. It's the Titans and a mess.
2: And the Titans are, are, are messier than not. I, I yeah. would say
0: also. All right. Uh, Joey sucks says Jacksonville is a great place to go for your career to die. So you might as well get paid if you're going to do it, I guess. Uh, Dan Pizzuta, thank you so much for joining us. Again, Dan's work, you can follow him on Twitter, Sharp Football Stats. He'll be in Football Outsiders Almanac 2022. Uh, Tomorrow, we will be back on all of these stations, all of these feeds, at 1 p.m. Eastern to talk about the AFC West past just the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, Thank you so much to everybody who commented and asked questions. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to the feed, whether you're getting us on Twitch or YouTube or podcasts. And check out all the stuff on Football Outsiders, including the new FO40 and all of our draft coverage. And we will be back tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, to talk AFC West. Have a good night, everybody.